by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hi friends, this is Abby speaking and you're listening to the N17 Women podcast. I'm here with Rachel. How are you, Rachel? Um, in everything that doesn't relate to Spurs women, I'm great. That's good. That's good. That's, you know, all you can ask for. And we've also got Sean here. How are you, Sean? Yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> feeling the... Uh, the pressure of Christmas are coming um, and end of year. But other than that, um, yeah, and, you know, the football, I'm doing all right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know how that goes. And uh, and we've also got Caroline, of course. How's it going, Caroline? Hanging in there. Yeah, Christmas season is here and having it at the same time as the World Cup is a new experience. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, we're in uncharted territory here, I guess. So Spurs played Reading away on Sunday, and it was not a very nice game. I think we'd all just as soon forget it. So, uh, you know, think of this conversation we're about to have as a sort of burn pile where we'll really, like, exercise all our Reading-related demons. So I missed last week's pod, uh, and I, I'd like you guys to, to fill me in. So how are you all feeling before the game? What the what the score predictions look like? How are we feeling? I think we were feeling quite optimistic, weren't we? Um, I think we were certainly uh, certainly off the belief that we needed to do well in this game um, and that, you know, we had a few games coming up that were going to be really important in terms of that kind of deciding where we're going to be this season because they're the games against the sides that are going to be fighting in and around us. And Reading, though they started slowly this season, have improved. So it was the first of those kind of good tests, I think. Yeah, so we were we were hopeful, but... Not anymore. Yeah, and I think that the we were feeling really encouraged, especially by like the nature of the goals that we scored against Coventry, even though that was obviously, you know, lower opposition. Um, the fact that we were scoring a lot off of set pieces, headers, you know, things that we haven't really seen a lot of from the team, you know, that gave us some positivity going into the Reading game, and we did not see any of that. (laughs) So yeah, I think I I was probably the most critical of the 5-1 win against Coventry in that I didn't think we played very well even though we won but even given that I thought that since most of this season we have quite consistently lost to good teams and beaten teams that were worse than us if that was a pattern that was going to continue we should be pretty safe against Reading and we did think there were going to be goals um, and also that we would concede goals so I think that uh, Sean and I both predicted a 3-2 with sort of lots of goals in both directions, but a narrow win. Uh, I think Caroline was on a 3-1, am I remembering right? Something like that. Anyway, so we I think we thought there were going to be goals because one of the things Spurs had start, have started doing was scoring. But we're equally, I don't think any of us were very confident about our back line necessarily withstanding where Reading for the entire game. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think had I joined, I probably would have said something similar. I know that we have plenty of experience checking the lineup in the morning and like, you know, feeling a little disappointed that the players we'd like to see starting aren't starting. Uh, So for me, that was when my pregame prediction started to shift. It's worth noting that we did actually have a full bench for this squad today, unlike many of our previous games. Uh, But for me, I was pretty disappointed to see that starting lineup. Um, And a lot of it was was much the same. There was 
Becky and Cole, of course, uh, and the Turner, Bartrip, Sidorsky, Ale back line. The Simonin James double pivot with Drew Spence as a 10 and Ash as the left winger. But in this game, we saw Rosella Ayan and Jess Naz uh, starting up in the front line with Ash. And I, for one, was not excited about that because I don't think they work well together and I think they expose each other's flaws. But what did you all think? I guess I kind of, I was kind of what I was expecting, I guess, um, knowing that there seems, Nikki still seems to be um, a little bit injured. Uh, Celine again seems to have knocks, you know, these two players that came in and gave us great excitement, but don't seem to be playing very much. Um, so given that that's how we've been playing, um, I wasn't hugely surprised. Of course, we know that the trouble being that our system is designed for a Nikki type, type striker up top. And that lineup doesn't give us that. So I guess straight away you're thinking, here we go again, trying to play that that formation without the key player that we need for that. Yeah, I wanted to give Roz the benefit of the doubt, you know, playing in that striker position because she did have a really nice, you know, true strikers kind of goal in the Coventry match. And I was thinking, you know, maybe she just needs some more time playing at this position, you know, give her a shot. And well, we'll get onto it in the game, but yeah, I was, I was trying to be optimistic about that lineup choice, especially knowing that, you know, with Nikki's injury situation, we're, we're probably going to not be able to rely on her starting too many games um, in this last stretch before the winter break. I mean, I think like Sean, I wasn't super surprised. It is a formation that Rihanna's turned to when Nikki has been injured, but I wasn't happy. I have, you know, said in the past, I am very unconvinced about Roz in that role. She's now played for, this is her third season and she has scored two goals in the WSL. One of those was a penalty. Putting somebody with that record as our main striker is not really going to produce a lot of goals and there's no reason to think that it's suddenly going to change now she has played for us for quite a while and as we've said this com- this set of combinations doesn't really work Jess took that role you know playing in the center in a couple of games earlier this season one time not very well when she did it against Man City she played in the center in the second half against Brighton and that was a much more successful performance so There are arguments that she would have made a better central striker. Although, again, I know we haven't been entirely sold on that one either. It's really clear that it's a problem that hasn't been resolved. Um, But I think I'm very clear that Roz is not the answer. Quite honestly, when I saw Lena Gunning-Williams on the bench, I was like, oh, we could try Lena. I know nothing about her. She scored one header, but she was really, you know, going gung-ho into the box in that last game. So I guess it's that sign of the lack of options that we seem to have there that on the one hand we're not surprised by it but on the other hand I think we were all massively underwhelmed by it yeah it's like for me it's like I I was not surprised by it um I thought at the beginning of the season I I had a little more leeway to give Roz but she's taken it all up and I'm over it uh so yeah that's kind of how I'm feeling about that and uh I know this is like partially hindsight and like the game played out the way it did and if it had gone differently maybe I'd be saying something different but unfortunately it did not um yeah just to give a quick rundown on exactly how that all happened first half started 
Uh, I thought we looked pretty weird in the beginning. We were misplacing passes, screwing up the first touch, not winning second balls. I saw some miscommunication about who was supposed to be marking whom, that sort of thing. And uh, 12 minutes in, that culminated in the absolute worst possible scenario. Uh, Shalina hit Roz with a long ball and, uh, well, it was like a medium ball. Roz sort of had this quick layoff to Evelina, who was under pressure and also didn't have her feet right. And so she couldn't control it. A Reading player picked it up. There was a long shot that came off the crossbar. And and then uh, the fun part started. There was this weird miscommunication between Amy and Becky, where Amy sort of found herself in between Becky and the ball and then just seems to like panic and just head it over Becky's head straight into our net. So one of the more unfortunate own goals that I've seen in a while. Uh, what did you all make of that? I guess just to put in, I think that the initial shot was saved by Becky and she saved it, hit the crossbar from her save and then yeah. it bounced back. So this is, so Becky was also recovering from making a save yeah. when she was coming back at the ball. Um, which is not to say it wasn't an absolute terrible disaster mess, but it actually came from what was a decent save yeah. to start with. Yeah. Well, and even so, I don't think Becky was really at fault for that because it was sort of like Amy was right where Becky would have needed to be to pick up the rebound. I, yeah, I don't think we could really like lay the blame on on Becky there for that own goal. I think the only thing perhaps she could have done better was to be a little more vocal and and asking to claim the ball um, rather than having Amy trying to make that. I don't even know if it was she was trying to clear it or head it back to Becky. I, either way, not a good situation. And I think, like you said earlier, not a lot of communication uh, was happening across the board the whole game. And, you know, somebody, I can't remember who it was um, on Twitter had asked me if I thought we get into these situations because we have our keepers switching off games. And if that leads to some, you know, not having as much familiarity with the back line because it's, you know, the, the keepers rotating in and out. And I don't know, I thought it, I thought it was a valid question. Um, but at the same time, you feel like, they'll they'll have played enough games with each keeper that the center back should have an understanding with both of them you know what I mean I feel like Becky has has become less good at communication this season I feel in previous seasons she's been much more vocal on the field you know telling people where to be and I haven't heard that from her so much this season and I don't we talked earlier on in the season about why she was playing more games than Tinny and whether there was some kind of confidence issue that Rianne was trying to hammer out of her um, and maybe there is that's affected their confidence or been affected by her confidence as well um, but it did feel like Amy Turner because Amy Turner like jumped to head the ball like she was worried there was somebody coming behind her when what she needed to do was really back off the ball and just let Becky come for it um, I do think it's interesting to take it back though to that I mean we've talked about Ros already but that ball that Ros played to Evelina I really didn't think was fair Evelina was going one way and the ball was going the other way so it just, I mean, I, I, there was pressure on Roz and so she had people coming in behind her, but just the speed of that pass and the fact it was just not quite right just meant Evelina really didn't have a chance with that one, I don't think. Um, and then Reading player got off a great shot uh, and great save from Becky. I mean, I don't think Amy had the best game once again. Um, and I think that's going to be highlighted as well in some of the things we have to say about what was good about the substitutions it's not her 
I don't, it, it's not her natural role and I think she's she's been struggling with that she's got better at it but I think again this this game she struggled for quite a lot of this game um and that first half as you say I think there's a I think there's an element of we've had a couple of well we've had we played we played Reading not that long ago at the Majeski and we beat them then we played Coventry last week and we didn't have to play very well and we won quite comfortably so it feels like there was a bit of complacency that set into that team and that first half performance smacked to me of a team who didn't think they were going to have to try so hard to win this game. And for me, that's no, that's a crime in footballing terms. You never make that assumption, particularly not against a team in your own league. You've got to come out wanting it that first, you know, just straight away, that first 10 minutes, we knew that Reading wanted it more than we did today. Yeah, I agree 100% about the layoff from from Roz. And I think Amy, like, one thing I've noticed about her, and I don't even think this is about her being in the wrong position. It's like when she gets into an uncomfortable position, she'll just like freeze. And like, dude, like, this is not the first time she's frozen and done something like, really silly. But I also think, you know, the fact that she's playing in an unfamiliar position isn't a good excuse for that goal because she was right in the box, which is centre-back positioning. So in some ways, that should be the thing that she is the most used to and the most familiar with dealing with. And there was a player coming behind her, so she was under pressure. But it's one of those things that you need to cushion the ball down if you're trying to give it to your goalkeeper or you get rid of it. And it was that kind of in-between decision-making where she was neither one thing nor the other, um, which there isn't time for in those kind of goals and games, sorry. But also just going back to what you were saying about that long ball out from Shalina to Roz and then Roz, how Roz dealt with it. There was a lot, I think Reading pressed pretty hard and the way that Spurs responded was with long balls, which I'm not against. And especially when Nikki's playing and she's a pretty good receiver of long balls, it's okay. I think, again, Karis is someone who's very good at receiving a long ball. But what was really apparent was that neither the delivery nor the receipt of the long ball was working for Spurs. And so there were several times where the ball didn't get past the sort of final Reading player. And so the interception was really easy. And there were other times where it did get to a Spurs player, but that Spurs it wasn't able to control it. And the ball then bounced out to a Reading player who was able to clean it up. And I think that, you know, and there were also issues around, you know, headed chances. And I know we're going to get to all of this, but around claiming the ball, that when the ball was sort of free and anybody could claim it. And that's where, as I guess you guys are already saying, it's about wanting it more, but it's also about positioning. It's about the skills to do that under pressure and to do it repeatedly. And if that's not working to go back to playing it out. I mean, so it's being able to switch between them better. Yeah. So, um, so do you guys think we got any better after that first goal? I think the answer is no. Um, I, yeah, I, I I kind of hoped it would wake them up and make them realise a little bit maybe that this was going to be a harder game than they thought. But for the rest of the first half, certainly, and a lot of the second half, I think it didn't. It just felt like there were more Reading players on the pitch. They were crowding our players, um, and they were. And when we played long balls, they were intercepting them nine times out of ten. There is just a huge gap in the intensity level between the two teams. You know, and I I don't think that really improved until we saw subs in the second half, honestly. No, they 
seemed like they were faster. They were taller. I mean, some of them were very tall, but they were not all taller. They were that they, you know, that they were better positioned for every ball. And some of that seems to be, I mean, I, I did wonder about the speed thing. There were players who we think of as fast who were not getting to balls. I think it was only when Chi came on that she was beating players regularly to the ball. For other players, we saw balls played through to them and they were just not reaching them first. There was a um, lack of desire to recover if when players lost the ball. So there was another chance that um, resulted in a save by Becky. I can't remember if it was the first half or the second half. And that came after a very sort of lackadaisical attempt at um, a tackle by Rose, I think. I don't want to blame everything on her, but that one, I think, was her. And it's it's fine. Not every tackle is successful. We know that. But if it isn't, it's about getting back and repositioning yourself and trying to recover. And that didn't seem to be happening very effectively either. So it's around both skills and were around positioning, but also in ball control, but it was also around speed and, you know, desire to try and fix things. And I don't want to pile on to Roz, but I do feel like in the last couple of games, she's gone to ground quite easily a lot of the time. And when she has gone to ground, she stayed down complaining about it. She hasn't got up and moved on. Uh, and I just think that's the wrong attitude completely. You know, if, if you, she you know you need to stay on your feet as much as you can and if you do go down and you don't get the call then you get back up and you get back in the fight and I just think she's not showing the right attitude I mean even when she came off against Coventry she looked quite annoyed to have been taken off and I just I can understand her frustration and not necessarily getting game time but if she wants to get game time then she knows needs to show the attitude on the pitch of wanting to be on there of getting back up of getting back involved and not you know going to you know missing the tackle and going to ground and sitting down for a minute and going oh dear I mean one thing I would say is in terms of what got better I think that Amy was very upset by her own goal and you could see her absolutely going for tackles after that she put in a couple of actually really important tackles Um, I still we're going to get to um, talking about her as a right back I still have doubts on around that but she definitely was trying to make up for what had gone wrong. And though if there was anyone on the pitch in that first half who was showing desire to get to the ball, it was her after that. Well, and, yeah. and Becky, to be fair, yeah, she Becky was showing the desire, you know, be. she, that would have been a player of the match performance if we had, you know, made a comeback and won the game. So kind of disappointing from that perspective. I mean, I think also Molly had a good performance as I, I, in a, in a in a poor defence, she had a good performance, and particularly second half, she was making a lot of interceptions, sliding in and getting that ball a lot of the time. So, the, I found myself saying, "Well done, Molly," a lot in the second half. Um, and I think you know, she had a good performance as she generally does. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I was just about to say, for me, she and Becky were the only players who I thought had like a respectable half. Um, I mean, there were varying degrees of ineffectual to bad across the rest of the team but I thought Molly and Becky were the two who who I was not disappointed with at halftime I mean definitely there were a few who had moments but then also were bad at times so for example I can definitely remember moments where Jess did really good things but other moments where she just was passing ineffectually was um 
half a yard off wasn't kind of getting through to balls and there felt like so it was that I mean Jess is often a little bit mixed in how she plays um Drew similarly there were moments where you're like oh yeah that skill and then Mm -hmm. the next minute not so much at least on the television it seemed to me like Drew was like running really hard um like for me she was in the ineffectual category because like she was running and trying stuff and like she looked like emotionally invested in the game which was like for like I don't know she looked like she'd turned up for it but it just wasn't coming off at all in the first half and it was like she didn't change the game in that half and I I say this only because I have like I have very high standards for Ash. Um, She's allowed to have a bad half. And I think this was one of them. Uh, It doesn't change how I feel about her as a player in general, of course. But I thought that she made a few mistakes attacking and just wasn't her usual self. But she did manage to turn around in the second half, which was, you know, great. So I agree. I actually think that there was a little bit of confusion between her and Asmita in that... They weren't, it didn't feel like they knew exactly who was going to be attacking and who was being, who was staying back. And because there's been, because Ash does play at right and left back, I guess it would have been that she can play there. So sometimes it felt like she was staying back a bit. And then as he was getting forward, but sometimes it felt like it wasn't being covered properly. So it just felt like they weren't quite on the same wavelength. And yeah, I guess, I mean, again, you know, to speaking in favor of Ash, you know, it must be confusing sometimes playing in different positions and with different people. And I felt like this was one of those games where, yeah, we'll get to it, but I was really happy to see her back at right back. Yeah. I was wondering, like, I, so I didn't notice anything, but because that side seemed to have a bit of confusion and was not as dominant as it usually is typically, I was wondering if you guys thought Reading had done anything in particular to like disrupt the Ash Asmita side because they play together all the time. So like you'd think that at, that at this point that wouldn't happen. And yet that that side was just not firing the way it normally does in the first half. I think I think it's just about the pressure that they were putting on them. I mean, and we forget as he's still very young and, mm. you know, this is she's not played as much for us as, as, as some of the players. Um, she didn't play so much last season. She's obviously come in this season and, and played a lot, but she's still very young. And I think she hasn't played in a game quite as much where the players have been quite that kind of all over everybody, you know, where the opposition players have been all over. So maybe that just kind of spooks her. Maybe Ash having a week off isn't a good thing. Maybe we should insist she plays every week. Um, I I just I just think that, you know, I think probably it comes down to the Harry of Reading and them just being all over our players. I think that could be a good point, though, about Ash having the week off. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think Asmita also um, didn't play in the the cup game. So, and it's strange because we know that usually those are two players who have a really good partnership. Um, but I think it's also worth noting that the Reading player who ended up getting player of the match, uh, Faye Bryson, she was their right-sided center back. Uh, so I think a large part of her player of the match performance was containing Ash. You know, she she did do a pretty good job. So credit where it's due. Yeah. And I thought there was an extent to which like Reading. So they've already played us this year. And then they also like their strengths as a team, pressing, defending, counterattacking, speed up front. 
happen to be the exact strengths that can hurt us. Um, so it seems weird since it's like we think of them as a weaker team, but they are perfectly positioned to be like, oh, like we should put pressure on this team. Uh, we should, you know, cause chaos. We should defend really deep and try to isolate their slower back line uh, against our faster forwards. Because uh, it wasn't just like, you know, the own goal was like where the score came from, but it's not like that was their only chance. They had a ton of breaks. And as we said, Becky kept them in the game. Uh, and it's like, so there is some extent to which like Reading had a game plan and executed it well. But I don't think that I think we should still be like beating them anyway. I don't think that absolves us at all. And you also, I guess, mixing that both their game plan, but also thinking about Ash and Azmita, I think that they were largely attacking us down the other side, partly to maybe they'd identified Amy Turner as a potential weakness. Maybe it was because they wanted to not have turnovers on the wing that you had, that we had Ash and Azmita on. But it did mean, therefore, that perhaps they got less of the ball and fewer opportunities to then break for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that. All right. So um, there was a second half. I, I think the, we've already sort of mentioned that the first 20, 25 minutes of it were, or no, wait, maybe not that many. The first 15 or 20 minutes of it were largely the same as the first half. No real changes let's just assume we've already covered that and skip over to what I think was the most interesting part of the game, which was our 68th minute substitutions. So in the 68th minute, we subbed on Kareth Harrop for Ismita. We subbed on Chioma Ubogagu for Amy Turner. And that saw Ash move from left wing back to that right fullback role. Um, and then we also saw Celine Bizet come on for Jess Naz. So what do you think of those substitutions and what kind of difference did that make? Well, it's one of those, like last season when Ash and Harris were subbed on, felt like the pace changed a lot from our perspective. The intent changed a lot. Harris charging down that wing, um, making some great um, balls for Chi and for for others, crosses into the box um, and just really looking like a team who wanted to score a goal and that last probably 15 minutes of the game we felt it felt like an onslaught on Reading they withstood that onslaught but it did feel like we were really going after it and I think Keris was a large part of that I think her intent and the way she played down the wing we hadn't seen a lot of that in the first half uh, and the whole thing felt like you know it was Spurs back again and we were you know really playing for it just livened the whole thing up. I think we talked um, to Karis when we interviewed her about her role in organising the backline as well. And we did see that when she was coming, when she came on, she was, you know, doing that organising, pointing, talking. And if you've got a backline that has been a little bit wobbly over a game, that's really what you need. So it wasn't just that she was going forward and providing options on attack, which she was. And I think this was probably one of her most attacking games, as Sean said. I feel like she was crossing, you know, every couple of minutes, there was a new cross from a different position from Keris, um, and also playing players in. So nice, uh, nice work for Chi. But she was doing work defensively and just shoring all of that up. I think, and we haven't, you haven't got to it, but then I think that it gained that, real solidity of the next substitution when Nikki came on as well so I think both of those as well as putting Ash back on right back I mean 
it was really nice to see she felt it seemed like this was the first time in the game where she felt really comfortable um and I know that she, you know we know that she likes scoring goals she likes attacking but she's also just a really really good right back and that's where we all you know loved watching her first and it's good to see her doing that and so with her at the right and Keris on the left it felt like that was the back line that was our back line last season when our back line was just really impressive and it was nice to sort of it was like the gangs together again or something um so I was very happy with that moment yeah I, I, think I guess this... the only thing about sorry the only thing I was going to say about substitutions that was bad is they were so obviously needed from half time. I think everybody I was sitting with was, and certainly me, was sort of going, Why is she not bringing on substitutions at half time? We've got five substitutions. You can do them early. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think even looking ahead a little bit to the next game, Rianne's going to have some interesting selection decisions to make. Cause I think with Karis, coming back, you know, I, I don't know what her fitness level is at right now. So maybe we're still not at a point yet where she can start a game, but I think as Mita, you know, probably needs to be worried about losing her starting spot because Karis, she just brings that experience and leadership that, you know, as Mita being a young player, she just isn't providing yet. Um, and, and you I know, I, I really like Asmita and I, I don't want her to like stall out in her development, which is what makes it tricky, you know, but I, I kind of agree with you, Rachel. It did feel like that's the back line that we're most comfortable with and most solid with. So I, I have to say, though, I will be incredibly annoyed if we send out four center backs as our back line against West Ham who are not a very strong attack even though they've been scoring but I mean and I mean that's a little unfair because obviously like Kara's had like a phenomenal attacking performance in her cameo so obviously she's not really a center back anymore but I think the person who has to be worried about her spot is Amy Turner because I think we've seen Ash and Ismita play on both sides and also we've seen Ismita as the winger before so for me if there's a weak link there it's it's gotta be well actually both of them <laughs> but, um, but I think Amy Turner first ideally yeah I I really I can't underscore enough how pleased I was with with Karis's um cameo I just thought it was so great to see her I was shocked at how high up the pitch she was playing and also like every time she like you know, wound up for a cross. I was like, oh, here, here goes like, you know, another cross. And then every time it was like a dangerous one. And I was like, well, I don't remember her being like that. Like I loved her. I thought she was a great player, but I don't like, it, it was just really nice. Um, and then I also thought that Celine brought a lot um, in, in her appearance. Uh, I don't, I think like she, she just like makes more happen than, than Jess and Rosella. Um, but yeah, if, yeah. I, if I had one criticism of Celine, though, I think it's just that she has a bit of a tendency to get kind of wrapped up in her own game and feel a little disconnected, you know, from the rest of the squad. But, you know, we, we talked earlier about the team feeling kind of complacent going into this game. And I think we saw the exact opposite with those players like Karis, Chi. Celine, I feel like she, you know, she hasn't had as many minutes recently. So they, they all three came into the game with something to prove. And, you know, I think that's why we were really happy with their performances because they were, you know, fully committed. I mean, I think we've got three huge games coming up now. And obviously 
in terms of we don't know quite where Celine and Nicola are at fitness wise we don't even Keris we don't quite know but for me I think Keris has got to start because the way she's been playing and if she needs to come off early she needs to come off early because she hasn't got the fitness but we need to start on the front foot and that's what Keris does for us we don't want to be doing what we were doing against Reading which is playing catch up and not being able to do it I think you know if We've got Celine and, and Nikki fit, or with Celine in particular, and we've got more attacking options, then you've got more argument for bringing back Ash back and putting her as a fullback. And we know she can score goals from wherever she is on the pitch. But I think she's more confident in the back line. And, you know, she said to me at the FSA Awards, well, if they're going to play me in an attacking position, I'm going to go for most goals this season. But that was a kind of, a, if they're going to play me there, kind of a line, not a, that's what I want to be doing kind of a line. So. I, th- I think there are some interesting calls for Rianne going forward because we have to now play three games. The Southampton game, we just need to get a draw. But I think from the point of view of confidence, it's really important that we go out there and put in a great performance in that game as well because Southampton are playing really well this season in the Championship. They're a surprise package for many in the Championship looking like they could challenge for promotion in their first season in that league. So we can't take them for granted and we're going to their place. And whilst... Absolutely, we want to get some of the youngsters involved in things if we can. First of all, we need to make sure that we're getting some confidence and some game time and and playing together from that game. We've got West Ham this weekend who started the season well and have done the opposite of Reading, kind of started to slip away again um, and they didn't have a good result, but they're going to be looking to try and come back before the winter break and they they have been for us an interest you know we we've there's been an interesting duel going on between us and them since we've been in the super league so that's going to be huge and then of course we've got the Everton game right in the middle there um on a Wednesday night when there's going to be hardly any fans from either side in the in the stadium which we can talk about as well but three huge games we've got to start we we've got we've got to start looking at those players who who brought the energy and and can put us on our front foot from the first place and we need to look at those players as we've said, who Amy Turner, who, you know, Roz, people who are not quite where we need them to be if we're going to be getting results. I agree. I think that starting with the back line that we finished with would be great. I think that Asmita is a really good player and I would be absolutely confident with her coming on for either Ash or Keris, either because Keris is tired or because something changes at the front and there's a decision to move Ash forward as a tactical change within the game. But I think starting with those four would be really good. I also think that even if Nikki is only able to pay for 30 minutes, starting with Nikki rather than waiting for Nikki is just so much, makes so much more sense because As we've said so many times, the team does work better with her in it. Once she's there, she's a target. She brings other players in. She holds up the ball. She was in the box. She was like, you know, she was so much closer to scoring her chances than any player who was on the pitch before her was. Um, I just think that she is going, she makes it more interesting. And I don't see the advantage of waiting for her rather than starting that way. And yeah, I think Celine, I saw less of Celine because when she came on, she was playing a sort of at the far side away from where I was sitting and I haven't seen, and I haven't watched all of the last few minutes on catch up. So, but I'm confident that she brings things, but also being willing to use other players like 
you know, I mean, I joked at the start about Lenny Gunning Williams. I have no idea whether she's going to work or not as a player. But in the last few minutes of a game, I would be happy to see her. But also just thinking more tactically about using substitutions earlier. Now, you know, that is how people play with five substitutions. And if we have got a full bench, we need to be thinking about that so that we can make more changes in game. Yeah, a hundred percent agreed. And I will say, like, I, I, um, I didn't uh, make the pod last time. I really liked how Lena Gunning Williams took her goal against Coventry. I thought it showed a lot of, like, it was just a split second, but like the drive to attack that ball, uh, I thought w- was really impressive to me, especially for a young player. And so I would love to see her chucked on for the last. 10 minutes of a game or even like if we're trying to hold out a result the last three minutes of a game like get her in there by all means um and I'm, I'm I'm hoping that we get to see more of her in um that that cup game we have coming up uh but Rachel you uh brought up a, a point that actually connects to a listener question we've been sitting on for a couple weeks now I think so I wanted to get that that in there while we're on the subject so this one's from Johannes um with so many long-term injuries in the attack, are we likely to see some permanent squad members brought in or more likely to see loans in January? I think that really depends on what's available. That's the tr- that's the tricky thing. You know, there aren't that many players available um, in the women's game. So I think it depends on what's available. Uh, I, I know we've spoken a lot about Rachel Daly and wishing that we'd got her and as I understand it, it wasn't because we didn't want her. It was because she was looking to play further north than, than we are so I, I think there's not that many players and in January particularly there's not going to be so many players available so I think we just have to get what we what we can and obviously Rianne and, and the staff are going to have a much better idea of what's available than we are though there have been some rumours already. That's correct. So we actually just had our first real transfer rumour of the January um, period which is Apparently, we're interested in signing Janine Becky from the Portland Thorns. Uh, so, yeah, let's spend a minute and talk about about her real quick. What do we know about Janine Becky? Well, I tapped up my Manchester City contact. Um, so she's a striker. Um, we know she's a Canadian player, so knows Shalina. Uh, she's a striker who left Manchester City probably mostly because she wasn't getting enough time. And when she did get played, she wasn't getting played in position. So she was playing on a wing or even as a fullback rather than as a striker. So she's been, she's gone looking for, um, for more, more minutes as a striker. Um, but rumours are that she's interesting. I think her time at the Portland Thorns hasn't been terribly successful either. Um, but my, my contact at Manchester City said they were gutted that she went and whenever she did get an opportunity, she really showed up. So that sounds like a, 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 a sort of player that would be great. You know, WSL experience, a striker. We need one of those. Um, who wants to play as a striker um, and somebody who's hungry to do well, I would imagine from, from that. Yeah. The yeah, only it, sort of hesitation that I have with, with this player is just knowing that at her past two clubs, there has been a bit of an issue with like, you know, getting the game time being the right fit, I suppose. And, you know, I, I watched a fair amount of the Portland Thorns this season and she didn't leave a huge impression the few times that she did play, but at the same time, you don't get onto that Canadian Olympic winning team for no reason. So I think she's probably a player who's going to immediately, you know, raise our quality level. 
um, perhaps even above Nikki, you know, as excited as we are about her, she's still a really young player and doesn't have the experience that, that Ginny and Becky has. I think it's an interesting link. (laughs) I think my only hesitation is that she's not a very prolific goal scorer. And we have a whole squad of not very prolific goal scorers. And well, I think she's been, you know, obviously she's been good in the past at Man City and she has scored for Canada, which is, you know, a real sign of quality. It is still worrying. And if we're going to spend lots of money, which I assume she might cost, then I would hope that we bring someone in who does score goals. So I don't know enough about her to know whether that is an ongoing problem or just a facet of how she was used in the last couple of, you know, the last three years. Yeah, I know that like opinion of her on the NWSL side of things is not very high. Uh, But like the general consensus is like, yeah, she's not great, but like she will make us better. Like she will be better than some of the not great players that we have. Uh, I don't know what the details of like what she would cost are. I think she's on a three-year contract with the Thorns, but um, I can't like, I don't know. There is a salary cap in the NWSL. So players aren't necessarily like as expensive, like as you might think they are being like in international, full internationals and stuff. I don't know if anyone else has any more details as to that. Well, no, not details. But just the way you're you're saying that makes it sound like it could be kind of an expensive gamble for us. And I think it would be still smart to be looking within the NWSL market because this is the first year that there's been the free agency um, that just started. So there's going to be some players who, you know, would not be as costly to attain and could still bring a lot of value to the club. But we haven't been linked with any of them. So... <laughs> So I'm just saying, I just looked up how many goals she scored for Canada, and that's pretty impressive. It's 36 in 98 caps, which is way, way more um, goals per game than she scores in any of her club teams. Now, obviously, sometimes international games are very one-sided. You can have quite, you know, you can ratchet up a lot of goals sometimes, but still... I don't know. I'm still. I mean, Canada's good, but like, also, like, we've seen Shalina score for Canada like multiple times. I think so. I don't know that that like. I mean, and obviously, like, I'm not saying that like Shalina is a bad player. I'm just saying that I don't know that like scoring for Canada is like a, a, that big of a marker of like. But I mean, it kind of depends on who the goals came against. Against, I don't. I don't really know. Gonna if we do sign her, I'm gonna have to do some sort of deep dive, but. I mean, I think we we want a player who's got Super League experience is always going to be a good thing. Um, She knows what to expect coming over to our league. And I mean, the other thing we haven't mentioned, of course, is the fact that the rumours are she's either coming to us or Everton. And the other question is, do you want Everton to have her or not us? And I think the the answer to that is very firmly no, because Everton are looking like a dangerous side as well. and also, if they're interested as well, that suggests that they see something in her as well. And they, as we've said, got a good side being being built there. So, again, it's all it's all dependent on a lot of stuff we don't know in terms of what's available on the market and how much she's going to cost and all those kind of things. But I, I would be quite intrigued by that prospect and because I, I do think that Super League experience is something that you can't buy, you know, experience of the league that you're coming into. 
um, and particularly given that it was not that long ago because she only left City in the summer. All right, so we have one more listener question. This one's from Scott. Uh, so are you happy to see us play a more attacking style and lose to the top teams if it means more impressive performances against the other teams? So in light of today's defeat, I'll answer that first before I turn it over to you guys. And I mean, I just think right now we're not putting in attacking performances against Chelsea or Reading and we're still getting smashed by the big teams. And so for me, it's an easy, yes, I would rather see us attack more against everyone because we're already getting smashed by Chelsea and Arsenal. I'd like to see us attack. What do the rest of you think? Yeah, I kind of don't agree with the premise either because against Arsenal, we did not play attacking football and we still got, um, you know, destroyed in that game. So I I don't think it's an either or kind of a thing. Um, I'd rather see us playing attacking football and, and developing our game and making sure that we're playing the way we want to play going forwards because we're still losing to Chelsea and Arsenal by too many goals. Even when we're that Arsenal game, we played so defensively the first half and still wasn't as good as last season. I think I think again, I think even against those top sides, playing our game is going to get us a better result than sitting back and and trying to defend it. So, in defence of the questioner, I'm pretty sure this question came after our Chelsea game and before our Coventry game. So, it did come at a point where we had played much more attacking football against the top side and got smashed. But also after we had played attacking football against Brighton and come away with a massive win. So I think it was in the back of those two games that this question was asked. And I think in some ways, both of those performances represent what Sean's talking about, that sort of, and what Abby, you're talking about, like that more positive approach. So that we lost to Chelsea but we didn't play badly throughout. There were lots of things in there that we could identify, that we did identify afterwards as positives, even though there was a lot of problems as well. Um, but it was a more positive performance than we'd seen against Arsenal or even against Manchester City previously. And obviously the upside was the Brighton performance where we really were attacking throughout. I think the problem came when we sort of got to this game where it was in a way we were still set up to be relatively attacking but we were not doing it with the same energy the same skill the same desire or the same personnel and all of those things meant that it didn't work and so we neither attacked nor defended very effectively yeah and I think the the crux of this question is really do we want to be playing in a consistent, clearly defined style, game in and game out? Or do we want to be a team that's more reactive? And for me, the answer is always going to be, you know, commit to a style because it, it's not just going to be something that affects results, but I think also player recruitment. You know, we look at a team like Everton, they're turning it around now, but the last couple of seasons, they were kind of in that mode of you never knew what you were going to get from them game to game. I don't think the players even knew what to expect. Um, and they just had, you know, started to assemble this very motley assortment of players. And I don't want Spurs to get into that kind of situation. You know, I think we do need to, you know, commit to playing a more attacking style because down the road, that's what we're going to have to be playing if we're going to be competing with the top teams. So. Yeah. And I do think there's an extent to which, I mean, Rachel said the word personnel, and I think that's exactly it. I don't know if we have the personnel to pull off that attacking style right now. 
I do think the club knows that like there was that recent quote from Ryan Skinner, which makes me like kind of optimistic that they're going to reevaluate things in January and try to see what they can do where like, you know, they, they didn't quite get what they were expecting in terms of injuries from some signings and like lessons were learned. And like, I think the club knows they need reinforcements, whether or not that'll be possible is obviously a different story, but I do think that, um, I do I feel like there's an intention there so that's promising I was just going to add that I think part of the question is also a reflection on the difference between this season and last season so last season we did we were very good at preventing other teams from scoring and we were very bad at scoring this team we have been less good at preventing other teams and we have become better at scoring and so some of it is really that question about if we reflect across the two seasons and obviously we're only a short way through this season, what is more fun? Um, but also what is as a fan and last season we did do pretty well in the league this season. It's not certain that we're going to do as well, but at the same time, maybe we'll have more fun along the way. And so I think part of it is weighing those two things up, isn't it around style of play what you get out of it versus grinding out wins. And we didn't always successfully do that last time either. Like we had some bad results. And like, you know, as I said earlier in the pod, this season up until this game, we were very good at beating bad teams and losing to good teams. And we didn't do that consistently last season. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that we were actually more attacking last season. I think the difference was like we were worse at shooting, whereas this year we've been much worse at progressing the ball. And so I think like like last year we put up over 2XG like tons of times and just couldn't convert, especially towards the end of the season. And to like to me, the whole time we were like getting those bad results, I thought there were like there were a lot of games where I thought we played really exciting in attack and then didn't get it over the line. Whereas this year, I don't think we've been as fun to watch as last year. And and maybe this is just my personal preference of what I like to see. But I think that we got an undeserved reputation for being a defensive team last year when what we really were was like a high pressing high energy like team that was focused on the attackers but I don't know I think like stylistically I I don't think that we're playing that exciting football this year even except for against Brighton and I think we still have to remember that one of the x factors in this whole conversation between like styles this season and last season is when we had Kit and when we did not have Kit. So I, I literally just can't wait for her yeah, to come back. That's true. <laughs> but also Rhea, it was like, like I, Rhea. I think mm-hmm. yeah, Kit and Rhea are big misses for us. And I think like after Rhea was out, it's true that like there were a couple games where we managed to put together like really attacking performances after that. But I, I think that Kit and Rhea were like pretty instrumental. And it's yeah. because they're, they're the more creative playmakers in the squad you know I think think with Rhea it's more about that tenaciousness that unwillingness to give up the 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 fact that she'll run from you know an attacking position to a fullback position to make tackle in that same way that Ash often has but you know you can't have one player doing that you've got to have at least a couple of players with that ability and and Rhea added to that you know I mean and I you know maybe it's because she's a Spurs supporter maybe it's just because that's the kind of player she is but she really had that tenaciousness of and you know wanting it and and running despite her 
being towards the end of her career, you know, just playing really hard. And I, and I th- and then you've got Kit with that creativity that she has. And I do, I, I mean, the Reading game does does remind me of those games last season, the West Ham away and the Brighton away. And it does seem to be, again, away games where we're slipping up in games that we shouldn't be slipping up in. And that's what cost us last season. And what we gained last season was really, you know, Manchester City and to some extent, Manchester United not playing as well as they 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 are this season when we played them. So um, I, it does worry me that maybe those kind of habits from last season, which cost us a slipping back, and those are the kind of habits that we want to be getting out of if we're going to be consistently best of the rest, which I think is the best that we can hope for right now. And And it's going to be, I think the evidence this season is it's still going to be a little while before anybody's catching those top four. I do want to, before we move on, I want to back up to something real quick. Rhea's a Spurs fan? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't either. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not like, because she's very quiet, isn't she? So you don't see her talking about stuff a lot, but she has said it in interviews. And yeah, because I think her family supported Spurs before she moved to New Zealand. And so that's how she sort of grew up with that from her early childhood, but not actually being in the UK. Oh my gosh, that's literally the best news I've heard all week. Okay, so um, <laughs> anyway, let's talk about West Ham. We have West Ham next coming up this this coming weekend. Um, if you're just looking at the table, that might be a little concerning because, um, you know, they're up there. They've gotten some results. But someone pointed out this weekend that they actually look pretty awful by the numbers. Like they have the worst defense in the league uh, right down there with Leicester and their attack um, is basically just as anemic as our attack. We have not been attacking well this year, except for against Brighton, Uh, except for West Ham has played two fewer games. And so, or no, sorry, the opposite of that. We've played two fewer games. So West Ham uh, have, have really not been attacking that much. And last week they lost 2 nothing to Liverpool and they went the entire first half without registering a shot on or off target. So it's a, it's a good opponent to come up next to hope to get back on track. Of course, we still have to fix all the, the issues that we're having and get it over the line. But West Ham, for me, are very much there for the taking. I feel that they are like, given where Reading are in the table, West Ham are what like I thought Reading was going to be. Um, but I also haven't really been watching them lately. So any any other thoughts on West Ham up next? Of course, West Ham were the team that Brighton beat. So West Ham 4, Brighton 5. Then they n- narrowly beat Leicester by a goal to nil. They beat Birmingham, fair enough. Um, and then they lost to Liverpool. So they have been struggling a little bit more now. Um, they did look strong at the start of the season. Um, I think. Um, their captain is is definitely one to watch out for, as we learned to our cost last season. But I think, and as I say, you know, we have, you know, the first season in the Super League, we beat them. Second season, it's been, uh, you know, since second season and on, it's been a little bit more tricky against them. We It's a game we need to win, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, we didn't do our usual roundup of the, the rest of the league, but the thing about, our past result is that it could have been a lot more costly if some of the other teams near us in the table had gotten points, but thankfully none of them did except for Liverpool who are still below us by a point. But, you know, going into this West Ham match, it's kind of one of those six pointers, not in terms of like 
promotion or relegation or anything, but just wanting to really, you know, be at the top of that, that middle of the pack. And yeah, I mean, West Ham, they're just kind of like chaos this season and not controlled chaos. So I think it's, it's just going to be a matter of making sure we have our scoring boots on. I, I feel like we can get away with um, conceding a goal to them as long as we are getting business done on the other end. Yeah, I guess it isn't specifically about West Ham, but I've been thinking about the fact that we have played so few games this season so far. And, you know, we've played one or two games fewer than other teams in the league um, because of missing the Everton game. Obviously, we didn't have the game at the start of the season. And sometimes some of me is just wondering whether or not this is we're not in a rhythm. And maybe some of those teams that are playing more regularly have got found their rhythm a little bit more than we have. Um, That's just wishful thinking, perhaps. Um, But yeah, it is interesting that there's this that also that there's this really big split happening in the league already so that you have the teams at the top doing really well. But lots of the other teams are struggling consistently. It's really fair to talk about momentum in this season because I wasn't it right after the Brighton game where we had another international break and, you know, didn't have a chance to to build on that momentum. So that I think it makes Everton, that was the cancelled Everton game. Oh, the, OK, that's what it was. Yeah, I knew we didn't have a game the next week and it was a big missed opportunity, you know, to build on that attacking momentum specifically. So, yeah, that's very fair. Yeah, we've we certainly, I think, you know, we've got two games in hand, albeit not easy games. But um, I think that's, if you look at the table right now, you're not necessarily seeing, you know, a, a fair appraisal of Spurs' season. We've got two games to make up some, and the Everton game being a key game that we've got to do yeah, that in. absolutely. And I think, like, you know, in the in the broadcast, the announcer said something like, Spurs have registered the fewest shots of any team this year and I was like what the hell that can't be right um and I looked it up and so it's like it's it was like the second least or something like that but then also like all the other teams around us in the table have played it like in that particular ordering of the table have played two more games and so it's like I don't and it's it's few enough games into the season where that like really matters that would just like jettison us up that like you know shots so I think there's like like, I don't think that one and two games in hand against places five and six and only three points back is like the worst place in the world to be, even if they are difficult games. I think like there are other reasons to be like sort of dispirited with with uh, this last week's performance, but I, I, I don't think we're in the worst position in the world. All right. So can I get your guys' score predictions for West Ham? I feel like we should let Rachel go first since we since she was not happy with us stealing her score predictions last time. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't need that one anyway. Um, so I'm feeling quite pessimistic at the moment, so I'm going one-all. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a slightly underwhelming game, but we'll eke out that draw. First draw of the season, that would be. Um, would be. I, you know, I'm incapable of at least trying to be a little bit optimistic so I'm gonna say 2-1 I do think we're gonna concede unfortunately (laughs) uh in which case to make it different I will go for 1-0 to us assuming Rianne is gonna start the defense as we've outlined and um (laughs) we're gonna sneak in that goal 
I am going to go 3-0 us. And the reason why is because West Ham have been having some absolutely unbelievable attacking luck. And they've also, they're just awful in defense. And I see us putting three past them. I think we're going to continue to do this yo-yo big response, terrible result thing for a little while longer. Hopefully things will smooth out in the second half of the season. But this part of the season, that's how I see it going. So I think we're going to have a big performance. I don't think West Ham's attackers are going to be firing on all cylinders. I think like... I was looking at some of their numbers. And so the biggest threats are like, as Sean mentioned earlier, their, their captain, um, uh, Bringer's daughter, but I'm so sorry about that pronunciation. Um, and also uh, Vivian Assay, who um, they've both scored four goals apiece on not that many expected goals and not that many shots. Like I was looking at like Vivian's numbers and like she I scored four goals for them, but her shots per 90 are it's like one shot a game. And like, I know that we're like liable to make mistakes at the back, but I just think that West Ham's luck is, is, is going to swing back the other way um, this, this week. I, I think we're going to do it. I'm going three nil. So I, I think, think uh, Brynjar's daughter, I, I'm probably not saying yeah. it right either, but she's, she's definitely, I think the player that we need to be locking down. Uh, especially on set pieces. She is a huge threat and we know that's been kind of a weakness for us. So that's why I don't feel comfortable predicting a clean sheet. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. Bringer's daughter has been absolutely monstering it on set pieces. She is, yeah, she is good at those and we're bad at those, but Hey, maybe this is our time to make reparations. We're going to change it. And I hope I'm completely wrong. I hope that Abby's right. And we are back to. Look, it's been a few games since we've conceded from a set piece. I think, I think maybe we've turned a corner here. Our last one was against Chelsea and like, you know, they're Chelsea. They're going to do that sometimes. Um, (laughs) They also, I should say uh, there are a couple other interesting players on West Ham. One of them is Risa Shimizu, who you might remember we faced in preseason with Tokyo Verde Belize. And she impressed a lot of people. And I was really disappointed. She went to West Ham because if she was available, I would have liked to see her come to us. Um, same yeah anyway we'll see what happens um i think that's all for today folks uh thank you for tuning in to the n17 women podcast you can find us on twitter at n17 women please do like subscribe or even leave a review on your podcast platform of choice and we'll see you next week and also come on you spurs mm-hmm.